and welcome to episode number 44 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined by Brett Colson. And a little later, we will actually be joined by Gil Alexander of the Vegas Stats and Information Network. VEASAN, you might have heard of them. He hosts a numbers game, 7 to 9 Pacific, every single morning on there. So we're going to talk to him a little bit about gambling media, where he thinks it's going, and how things are going to look, in his eyes at least, in a couple of years. Of course, guys, we are on iTunes and all of the places that you find your podcast. So please subscribe, rate, review, give us five stars. Brett, we still have the all five stars and one one star. And I'm <laughs> I, I'm really, really digging this. I mean, I think this is something for us to really be proud of. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it would be a little shady if we had all five stars, right? No, nobody has all five stars. So no, we got I, that. We got the- that's the thing. It's like if we had all five stars, people would be like, oh, this is you guys going in there under fake, exactly. fake names and, re- and reviewing your stuff yourself. But no, no, no. We have the one star. And uh, that is a, that's a badge of honor for sure. If you want to follow all of the happenings at the lines, of course, at the lines US. And if you are new to the podcast, you guys and we're looking for all the legislative stuff. Be sure and follow our new podcast, which is the LSR podcast, the Legal Sports Report podcast. You can uh, find that on iTunes here shortly as well. But in the interim, you can just go to LegalSportsReport.com and find the latest episodes there. All right, Brett, this is uh, some interesting, uh, pretty interesting week with things that went on here as we were wrapping up last week's episode right before was when Bryce Harper made his announcement. We'll touch on that and how that worked at the sports books around. We'll talk about a couple of other uh, big hits at some of the sports books around here. Some of the odds and future events are starting to trickle out as well. And we've got another sports book that is out there paying out things in advance here, but let's go ahead and get started here with baseball. I mean, we're looking at baseball only being three weeks away. So this is, this is right upon us here. Yeah, I'm excited. I think baseball is uh, my favorite sport. So, uh, and now with, of course, the, you know, the Bryce Harper signing and me being a Phillies fan, I'm even more to get excited about this year. But uh, yeah, it's the first year that we can bet on baseball legally for an entire season in the new New Jersey markets and, and a lot of these different markets around the country that have popped up. So uh, I'm pumped. Yeah, as you should be. I mean, uh, you uh, you look at this and I'll be interested to see how the what the urge is for it, because I mean, listen, there are, you know, die hard baseball fans still over there on the East Coast, I think much more so than there is out here on the West Coast. And so, you know, I mean, obviously die hard Yankees and Mets fans, pretty easy for them to just cross over the border there and make some bets in New Jersey. Of course, we will have we, we already have physical Sportsbooks in Pennsylvania. We will have online shortly in Pennsylvania as well. And of course, there'll be a bunch of hype around the Phillies as well. So, I mean, I think we're going to see some pretty interesting numbers. Yeah. I think we'll see quite uh, quite a bit, especially in Pennsylvania, uh, that first well, not the well, not the first month, but in, in April uh, with with the Harper signing, I think uh, Philadelphia is going to see a, a really nice, uh, really nice handle early on in the baseball season. So the while we're on baseball here, some of the big news to come out was that Major League Baseball is going to be having the teams send their starting lineups to them first so that they are able to take a look and then they will distribute as opposed to going just straight through the PR teams here. Now, this was a very hot topic on gambling Twitter over the last couple of days here. A lot of speculation going involved going around because there was people thinking and incorrectly. And I understand because there wasn't a whole lot of explanation as to this, that is thinking incorrectly that 
the sports books were going to get the information before everybody else and some sports books were going to get it before other sports books and things like that and that's just not the case it's going to be distributed to everybody all at the same time here but major league baseball does want to take a look at these lineups before they go out so you're telling me that major league baseball is not going to submit this data to official sports betting partners well, they are. It's just going to go out to everybody all at the same time. And I right. think that this is, you know, one of those things where you and I, if you guys are listening to this and have played DFS before, you understand. Well, and, and even if you played um, even if you played NFL DFS, but NFL DFS is much easier because we know that we have to have the injury report 90 minutes before kickoff. So you have plenty of time to make adjustments there. If you've ever played NBA DFS, then you have understood the growing concern for late reporting, weird reporting, sketchy reporting when it comes to injuries and starting lineups and various things like that, Brett. And so, I mean, on the surface to me for baseball here, like creating a uniform process for getting for the dissemination of information to me does not seem like a bad thing. I mean, I understand it is MLB kind of like sticking their nose in here a little bit and we understand that this is one of those things where they're probably eventually going to try and figure out a way to weasel this into asking for money or trying to get a cut of this, that, and the other. But on the surface, the actual, what we're talking about is them getting information and, and taking a look at said information and disseminating that information, I don't think is the worst thing in the world. Yeah, look, if, if this is to reduce integrity risk, which is what they claimed in the, uh, in the statement, then yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this. But uh, is it like, why now? Why all of a sudden now? No, I feel you. And I think that it's probably because, well, I mean, it's the same thing we've said about basically all these companies, right? I mean, it's not even, it's not even the sports leagues. It's the media companies. It's everybody like, like not a whole lot changed. I mean, we are still only legal in, in a, in a yeah. handful of States right here. And yet everyone acts like this is the craziest thing that ever happened. And everything just changed in the whole world. Changed. When, when we've had, you know, betting offshore and, and overseas and everything like that for uh, on all of these games, on all of these things that people talk about for, you know, decades. Yeah. And, and, you know, the initial thought from, from gambling Twitter was that this was a money grab. So you're basically, and, and I, you know, when I was reading it initially thought the same thing and, and I've, I've been out for the week. So I was just kind of catching up on things this morning. So you're telling me that this is not a money grab by major league baseball. This is in fact a, an integrity thing. I mean, this is what they're saying, right? I mean, right. I don't we'll, we'll have to see how everything plays out. I don't really take any of these sports leagues, what they're saying. I take everything they say with a grain of salt. I certainly don't take everything they say at face value because these things that they're doing, I think we figured out because we've seen one them talking out of both sides of their mouth. We've seen them change their positions on things. We've seen all these crazy things happening. So I don't really take a lot of what is being said and or gets out right now at, at face value. I don't really put much stock in it, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, I'm glad I'm glad it is this because I was concerned about the fact that some sports books might have uh, official data before others. And that would completely shift the way that the sports betting industry works, really it would essentially force sports books to partner with the, the Major League Baseball to get this official data. So uh, this is a. a more promising to me yeah and and i mean again we'll this is a couple of days into this information so we'll right. have to see how this all plays out i mean this could certainly end up being a completely different thing than we even think it is here as it continues to morph but 
Uh, on the surface, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world, especially if everyone gets all the information. At the, if everyone gets the information at the same time, then that's, I don't I don't see the yeah, harm. That's what we're hoping for. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't I don't see the harm here. Uh, sticking with baseball here, um, as we mentioned, as we were closing last week's episode, the Bryce Harper news had just hit. And with that, man, things went absolutely bonkers. Uh, we'll just take FanDuel Sportsbook, for example, after the Bryce Harper signing. We're talking about, of course, they added some Bryce Harper props. His over-under on home runs is 32.5. Willie hit a home run opening day. is plus 320. <laughs> but, the crazy, yeah, but the craziest thing that went down wa- was basically the odds of the Phillies just in general. They were plus 1,800 to win the World Series, plus 250 to win the NL East by 10 a.m. the next day. So we're talking like 18 hours, not even 24 hours later plus 1200 and plus 175 so you can just see the Bryce Harper effect take place um I mean you don't actually live there Brett but I mean you can just you can just tell by the amount of programming that was on television the amount of stuff on Twitter on the the amount of posts that we've seen and things like that I mean this really was just a a one of the first kind of like blockbuster sports betting things that has happened uh, it, when in a state where it's legal, where we were able to like actually, I mean, you, you know, LeBron going to the Lakers was one thing, but I mean, California, we're, we might never see legalized sports betting there. But I mean, right, yeah. but but like, you know, the first like blockbuster thing that happened in a in a legal state. Yeah. And because of that, all of these Phillies odds and prices are inflated, especially in New Jersey and, and Pennsylvania, where an insane number of futures bets were piling in. And, and if you didn't get your futures wager in on the Phillies before they sign Harper you missed your chance at value like don't bet the Phillies now when they are plus 1200 to win the World Series um, because the odds of him signing with Philly were already built in before he put pen to paper uh, yeah. so I mean after the news broke of him signing the line moved instantly like I was watching it move on FanDuel, like from plus 1800 to plus 1300 to 1200 in minutes so I mean people were getting their bets in and at, at 1800 I feel like was already like the right price with Harper so um <laughs> yeah if you didn't get your bet on, on Harper I, I wouldn't advise doing it now yeah I mean look at at 12 to 1 you could basically just hold out and then just bet them whenever the playoffs start and then you could right. just bet the series price and it would and and it would just roll over to probably the same or maybe even more depending on you know how the season plays out or something like that so i mean you could pick them to win a divisional series and then to win the pennant and then to win the world series and you would just be placing three separate futures bets but it's it's essentially the same bet right i mean like you're still betting on them to win the world series you're just rolling it into three different bets um, once we get towards the end of the season. So, uh, yeah, I agree. If you missed, if you missed the 1800, I mean, 1200 is a little, uh, Bryce Harper's good and the Phillies are good, but I mean, to move it that much is a little silly. Yeah. And, and like you wrote down here, 79.5% of total bets placed on the world series outright were on the Phillies, 83.85.3 on the NL pennant on the Phillies. That's, that's crazy. 87.5 on the NL East on the Phillies. Um, yeah. It's that the the regional bias is is strong right now. The regional bias is certainly strong here. I mean, thirty two and a half home runs. What do you think about uh, Bryce Harper and thirty two and a half home runs? I mean, that is a park that does cater to lefty bats pretty well. It does, and uh, having worked there every day during seasons, I, I've seen how the wind can affect balls as well. I mean, the ball can fly out there. Just a just a pop up for Harper might result in a home run in that park so i i like the over there i i think 32 and a half seems low 
if you look at this, if you look at the Phillies lineup top to bottom, I mean, it, it is he's going to have, you know, I, I know that this is sometimes looked at as a little bit of a fallacy or whatever, but, you know, protection in the lineup, if you will. Oh, yeah. But but he is going to have some protection to where they're not going to be able to completely pitch around him like we've seen some of these other guys. I mean, look, Mike Trout continues to put up these numbers, uh, you know, just because he has a ridiculous eye here. I mean, we've seen Bryce Harper's average in two of the last three seasons be under 250. We've seen, you know, a little bit of concerns about his plate discipline and things like that. So with them not being able to nip corners on him as much and having to kind of come at him, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, 32, that's that's kind of right in line. If someone would have asked me, you know, what do you think as far as like home runs now that he signed with the Phillies, I probably would have said somewhere in the kind of like the mid-30s. Mid-30s, yeah. I, th- I feel like this is probably too, too low. And it'll probably move up. It might actually be be different than, than what we saw here just a day ago. So anyway, we'll, we'll see. Uh, yeah, I think that's low. I think the line should be like 34. One of the things FanDuel uh, sent us a little bit of information as well, just to kind of prop up on their MLB betting that we've seen. If you guys are wondering how things are shaping up over there on the East Coast, most bets by number of bets placed. So this isn't actually money. This isn't handle. This is just the actual sheer number of bets. So this could be anything from a $5 bet up to a $5,000 bet, whatever it might be. But most number of bets placed to win the World Series, Yankees, Phillies, Mets, Red Sox, and nationals i think if somebody would have blindfolded me and told me to guess the top five teams i would have gotten four of the five i don't know if i'd have gotten to the nationals i certainly would have gotten yankees mets phillies and red sox just strictly based off of you know the east coast and how easy it is for the yankees and mets fans and phillies fans specifically to to bet on this or whatever uh nationals i don't know a little bit of surprise to me maybe a little bit but it isn't it is an east coast team in that NL East division. If you just like blindly pick West Coast teams and bet on them, would are you getting value in New Jersey just because of how inflated these East Coast lines are? So it's funny you mention that because this is something I had written down here to actually take a look at starting at the beginning of next week because I wanted to start kind of comparing some of these teams as we get a little closer to the season. I'm hoping that these numbers get a little more janky and maybe yeah. there will be some opportunity or something like that because I certainly want to follow along with that and see if look if this money continues to just roll roll in on these east coast teams uh you know you and i might have to make a trip to jersey and 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 take (laughs) take some flyers on some of these west coast teams there's there's got to be some some value that would present itself if the money continues to come like this yeah give me the a's give me the seattle mariners man i'll I'll throw a long shot bet on some of these teams because the odds just continue to shift as as this money comes in on the yankees and phillies it's it's crazy the mets how are people betting the Mets to win the World Series? What's they're, what is going? They're plus twenty eight hundred. This and, and that was just the number of bets. So they did send us the handle as well. So the actual money bet on the teams uh, to win the World Series. Yankees number one, as you would expect, but the Mets number two, the <laughs> second insane. most amount of money. So the third most amount of bets and the second most amount of money. On the Mets. I mean, that is just absolutely crazy. Phillies coming in at number three. Nationals showing up again. Red Sox showing up again. The sixth place team was the Dodgers. So we finally have a West West Coast team show up there as far as handle goes. But it's the same five teams for the number of bets as it is the money placed as well. So, um, yeah, got to think. Got to think that there's going to end up being some some value if this trend continues over there on the on the East Coast. Yeah, Robinson Cano is not going to be winning the Mets a World Series. You think of Brandon <laughs> Nimmo probably batting leadoff? I mean, I I don't I don't know what this is, but uh, 
don't don't bet the Mets to win the World Series. Yeah, I mean, looking at some of the odds out there, I mean, we've actually seen some of the sports books here start to put up some of the other props as well. So if you want to head to uh, FanDuel and DraftKings and, and BetStars, um, all of those guys have started to put up some of the baseball props as well and some of the futures and things like that that you can bet on. I mean, of course, on top of the, just the winners of each the uh, winners of each uh, league and division and World Series and things like that, they're starting to pop up here and there. Some, uh, you know, uh, totals on. Well, we mentioned the totals on the home runs. We've also mentioned the uh, stuff about head to heads have started to pop up as well. I saw that at DraftKings. So like player X versus player Y on home runs and things like that. And so, uh, you know, if you want to start getting on these things early, I mean, like we said, we expect that some of these numbers are going to start to tick up and whatnot. So if you find something that you, f- that you think is a little bit of value, you might want to get in on that pretty early. And Brett, I guess this is as good a time as any to say, if you're going to do that, you might as well head to the lines and play picks and take advantage of our of our offers, right? Yes, absolutely. We've got. Uh, I, I'm I'm waiting to see if we get any baseball offers after March Madness. We're, you would imagine we will get some, but yeah, keep an eye on uh, the lines.com, playpicks.com. We'll be having uh, all the all the best uh, bonus offers and, and promotions uh, right to right to you. And not too far down the line, and we'll touch on that in just a little bit, we will have the Masters coming up as yes. well. But right now, let's take a break and talk to, got to catch up with Gil Alexander of the Vegas Stats and Information Network. VEASAN, you might have heard of them on Sirius XM, based here out of Las Vegas over at the South Point Casino, talking to Gil just about the future of gambling media and how he sees things going here. Uh, here's our chat with Gil Alexander. Joining us now on the Lions podcast is Gil Alexander, host of a numbers game, 7 to 9 Pacific, on the Vegas Stats and Information Network. Gil, fun fact, your full name is not Gilbert. That is a fun fact. Also true, it is not Gilbert. It is Gil with two L's. I was un, un, unaware that there was a Gil on the face of the planet whose full name was not Gilbert, and I've met one. You are a unicorn, my friend. Yeah, there was, I think there was an old uh, San Diego Chargers cornerback by the name of Gil Bird with two L's as well. So there you have it. Unicorn, Another fun fact. Another, little, another yeah, fun fact. There we go. One in the generation anyway. Uh, if you guys do not already follow Gil on the Twitter machine, he is at Beating the Book. And, of course, you can listen to his radio show every morning on Vegas Stats and Information Network, VEASAN. And if you guys have been listening to this podcast, you are well aware that Gil was my partner in the DraftKings Sports Betting Championship. We did not win a million dollars, which is why you are still listening to us here instead of us being on our private island somewhere. So that is... That, well, we, we, that was part of the deal. So we won. We were just going to stop everything we were doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were just going to retire and and move on here. But uh, let's talk a little bit. Let's start about with with Veasan here. Um, you guys were the you know I like to consider kind of the OGs when it comes to gambling programming. Of course, you guys got started over there well before the repeal of PASPA, and you know you've been over there a, a couple of years now. How do you think Veasan has done? How do you think you guys have done? And how do you guys uh, look to kind of continue the on the momentum of this whole gambling thing as it continues to spread across the United States? Um, look, from, from my perspective, VEASAN has done great. Um, you know, I was just talking with somebody uh, who's not a, a VEASAN guy earlier today, as a matter of fact, and they were saying about how, you know, oh, through the through the couple years that we've been in existence, you know, there's always rumors, right? People are always uh, saying, oh, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. Uh, it's been a great two years. It's, you know, we've had uh, a lot of historical moments. I know my show specifically, 
Uh, I happened to be on the air live when the Supreme Court struck down PASPA because the Supreme Court rules on matters exactly at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. And so that's when I get on the air. So, oh, you know, that whole run up to uh, the possibility of PASPA being struck down. I had to prepare two shows on the given dates that the Supreme Court said, hey, we could have a decision on these days. So that was one sort of uh, milestone that we hit, and I was happy to be the guy on the air sort of walking it through as it was happening. Um, I think we've established ourselves um, as a sort of, you know, a, a place where people can listen to not only smart but entertaining gambling information and know that, you know, we actually have the betters back. I did a uh, segment about William Hill after the NFL draft where they didn't pay me. And as a result of that segment, we were able to get people who would otherwise not have been paid, get paid. So I think that, you know, that's just too off the top of my head. Those are impactful moments. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, listen, we have Brent Musburger, and that's going to always be sort of, at least in the early history of Eason, I'm sure one day he will <clears throat> decide to step away. But that is sort of a differentiator right off the bat. And I'm a big believer that, you know, there's room for everybody. So VEASAN is a serious XM station at its core. But, look, ESPN's got a show next week that's kicking off. Um, Fox already has a show now that they've had since football season. There are other uh, gambling companies out there. So there, and, I don't, and I don't believe, you know, people are going to say, oh, was one competitive to the other? I just don't look at it that way. I think there's so much content and so much thirst for this information that, you, know, you and I even do podcasts on the subject, so there it is. Yeah, absolutely. We also do a, another show together um, called Behind the Books, so we are certainly contributing to the media side of things as well here. Um, let's talk a little bit about the, the media side of things. What do you think the role of gambling media is moving forward? I know you have your own style with your show. You like to be very informative with yours. You are definitely don't go kind of the tout route at all. So, uh, you know, is that something you made a conscious decision on, you know, before you got going over there at VEASAN? Was this something that just kind of evolved as you were there? And, you know, not to give you a five-part question here, but, you know, just uh, the role of gambling media and your style in general. I mean, for, you know, I think everybody has to answer that question for themselves, right? Everybody's going to have to come up with what they believe works the best. And ultimately, what works the best, we should define that as, you know, what are you trying to do? You're trying to cast the widest net. I don't think anybody tries to get into this to, you know, find themselves a nice little corner niche and be like, oh, we're so happy here in this corner. I think, I think everybody gets into it to be as popular as can be. For me personally, having done a podcast on it for many years, there were things that I felt like I had figured out uh, maybe as well as anybody else just because I had been doing it for so long, which is that I believe at, at best, and I don't know to the extent I achieve this, Matt, and perhaps I don't on a daily basis, but to the extent that I do, what I'm, what I'm aiming for in everything that I do, that I do with you, or, and, and everything that I do independently is – Try to be smart on the one hand, right? Like, I think you have to establish credibility by knowing what you're talking about. I think the biggest challenge for big media companies who are getting into gambling, and you and I have talked about this a lot off air, is that it's a, it's a very specific language, gambling. It's a very specific currency. And gamblers, those of us who have gambled, who have gambled for our, you know, big, big portion of our lives, we can sniff out a non-gambler within five seconds. 
right? Like it just, you, there's just a nuance to it. Right. So I think in the, in the first, at the first level, you have to be smart and that establishes credibility. So I'd like to think that my show appeals to uh, the smartest of betters too, but also I think at just as key, and this is again, just me, this is my approach to it is once you establish that, that then allows you and should really be part of your thing is you got to make this fun to some degree. Like, you know, there are people who are going to always be smarter than me, than you, whatever. They might be the smartest people in the room, but it's amazing how elusive being entertaining can be to those folks sometimes. So I think you have to make it entertaining. I think you have to have fun with it. After all, gambling is fun. And so I think you, you look a long way to answer your question. I strive anyway to have the best combination of those two things, smart, entertainment, informative, all of that. And it should, we should all have a good time. We should all be laughing at least once a day, you know, twice a day on this stuff. So, and, and I like that you point out about the having fun aspect, because I think what we're going to see over the course, and I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I certainly want to be wrong here, but I think what we're going to see over the course of the next two or three years, specifically as the gambling legislation in different states continues to pass and more states open up and more content starts to be produced is almost a race of everyone trying to be the smartest guy in the room. And it's almost going to become a content that's nearly unwatchable for the common person. <laughs> and I feel like, and yeah. I, ho- again, I hope I'm wrong, but it's like, you know, I saw this, I, you know, I came from the poker industry. I saw this in poker. I, I was in DFS for a while. I saw this in DFS and like, I can't imagine it's not going to happen in sports betting as well, where it's like this, it's, it's this way that everyone wants to conduct themselves where they want to show you just how smart they are and they will take every every angle possible for you to give them some sort of credit to how smart they are. 100%. And you're right to go back on your poker experience for that. I, I think, you know, like we, there are podcasts out there already on sports betting, right? And again, people might be really super smart about what they're doing, but like they just don't get they'll never figure it out, right? They'll never figure out that this is not a showcase for them to show us how big of a brain they have. Like you have, this is like anything else in life has to be consumable information, right? No one is going to want to come back if it's just droll and boring every time. Uh, on, on VEASAN, my show, I have to fill 10 hours of content every week. During football season, that's a pretty easy endeavor. There's, there's college and pro football. It's just inundated with people. Everybody wants to talk football. You know, in February, Matt, and in July, not quite as easy, right? Like, it's right. 10 hours where you want to talk about gambling specifically. It's like, all right, well, college basketball's not quite yet at the conference tournaments or March Madness. July, it's, you know, even baseball goes on a break, for God's sakes, in the middle of July. And, you know, if you're trying to be only smart for 10 hours during those weeks, you, you, you'll suit yourself. Right. It has to be super fun. And we all listen, we all have a game. We all started gambling at a certain point and it was it was part of our lives in not the most cerebral thing. Right. It was just a way to sort of enjoy. It was a way to connect with family. It was a way to connect with friends. And we should always keep that in mind. That this is this is really about dudes um, speaking a common language, girls, too. But let's be honest, uh, if we look at ratings on this stuff, it's still 95 percent. And I'm being generous keeping it that low guys uh we'll see if that changes over time with legalization 
So being the smartest guy in the room, obviously this kind of leads to touts, right? And uh, this certainly a very hot, a very hot button topic in the gambling space, gambling Twitter, gambling everything. You get in a gambling circle and you can't really escape it. What do you what do you feel uh, just deep down about charging people for picks? What do you feel about the transparency of the tout market and things that are going on? I mean, is this something that you feel, especially as expansion continues, that could be even I don't know, I, I, I guess a, a bad word is worse than it is now. But do, do you feel that this could actually be kind of like a problem as we continue to move forward with legalization? Uh, for sure. I'm mean, you know, full disclosure, right? So once upon a time, I, and not so long ago, I worked with Dr. Bob over at Dr. Bob Sports and we, you know, Dr. Bob still to this day, he sells picks. I think the first thing I, I would establish with the word tout is tout is sort of this catch-all word that everybody uses for anybody who sells picks. And the connotation is an evil, slimy one, right? Like everybody is nefarious and trying to cheat you. I think that's the first thing we have to sort of establish where there are, there are exceptions to every rule. And someone like Dr. Bob, someone like Right Angle Sports, there, there's very few of them, but some of them are super reputable, super math-based. They dedicate their lives to this stuff and do things uh, above board, they're transparent, and I think those are the exception, uh, not the rule for sure, but I think we have to sort of just make sure we, we know that not everybody's going to fall into this category. Sure. But yes, to your bigger point, for your, to your bigger point, 100%. Look, look, there's a reason why, this, why the tout industry has a slimy reputation. It's because it's been that way forever and ever. And with legalization, and, and folks in the UK will probably tell better than I will, yeah, man, everything that's good is going to be good, you know, you would think would, would enhance mm -hmm. it to some degree. Uh, innovation should spur from competition, we hope. But definitely the bad side will expand too, man. I mean, this is just going to be, think about the generations when it wasn't legal. Think about the generations that still gravitated towards pick sellers, even when 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 uh, betting wasn't legal in this country. Now imagine the the naivete of like new generations and seeing any old person. That that was the first thing on Twitter you even mentioned. I think Matt. I think you were the first person to mention that your biggest thing that you noticed right after legalization was everybody coming out of the woodwork on Twitter like, oh, I uh, I make yeah. picks. Yeah. I'm like, really? Where we, where'd you come from? I never heard of you before. You make picks now. Yeah, so it, it's, that, yeah, it's certainly something that I, you know, I fear just from a because as you mentioned with the, the naivete of these people, I mean, we are going to have, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands and if not, you know, eventually millions of people that are going to be betting for the very first time in their entire life. And I, I don't know, I just get very I, I worry about the fact that they're going to be so easy to prey on when people come on and they you know, make these outrageous claims of going, I'm 35 and four over my last, whatever. Oh, and like you, whatever. Yeah. And oh, you know, for 99 yeah. 99, like you're going to get my picks and stuff. And like, I, I just, I fear so many of these people are going to buy into that and not understand that. Like, that doesn't mean that you're going to win. And then you have a bad first experience. And it, I don't know, just they're I'm not trying to look at the worst of all these things, but I mean, it's just such low hanging fruit, right? I mean, there's no barrier to entry, but like you said, these, these people, we're just coming out of the woodwork. There's no barrier to entry. You just come on, you start a Twitter account, you start a YouTube channel, whatever it might be. And the next thing you know, you make some outrageous claims and uh, people are going to fall for it. Yeah. And it's, it's absolutely going to happen. It's only going to continue with each jurisdiction that gets legalized here. Um, 
you know, that, the, the one thing that I will say about all of this, and I'm sort of like going off on a tangent here, so forgive me, is the one thing is uh, there's still a carve out for Congress to step in. I'm not sure if that's ever going to happen. But right now, like three of the biggest states, Florida, Texas, California, they're not going to have, it doesn't look anytime soon, legalized gambling. So I think once a couple of these big last ones fall off, New York, Illinois, um, then we'll get a better read for, okay, what's in place? And now let's see what develops both good and you know, both horrific, like the touts you're talking about. Definitely. So let's talk a little bit about the sports just in general here. What sports do you think, and I know you you bet them all, I bet them all as well, but let's talk about just from a people, let, let's take it off of the level of people who gamble at the level that you and I do. What sports do you think have the most to gain from legalized sports betting? The most to gain from their perspective, um, I think, well, the first thing is I think baseball does. Um, but already, just as I say that, I think to myself, and Rob Manfred's trying to do everything possible to jack it up before right. it even happens, right? right? So, so uh, I just think, but I think that's the sport. I mean, listen, five years ago, if you asked me, Gil, what's your favorite sport to bet on? I would have said baseball and nothing else, baseball by far. Now I don't really bet pre-flop baseball as much because the game has changed so much with relief pitchers coming in earlier. Some teams don't even start a starter, right? Like, so it's just a different game and it's harder. But the way you asked it, what sport stands the most to gain, I would still have to say baseball, even despite why I might be drifting away from it. Because, um, man, listen, horse racing and boxing were huge sports when we were kids. No one cares about them anymore. Yeah. Like, you know, breaking news. Baseball, I really worry about baseball. Like 30 years from now, if baseball didn't have this shot in the arm from gambling, it would go away in the same way. Like it would just be very market specific how it works out. I know people who love baseball would like be like, what are you talking about? What kind of nonsense is that? But it's really true. It's just not that popular in most places in this country. Gambling might be just the tonic, right? Just the thing where like, oh, I could actually watch a baseball game. I thought this sport was horrifically boring. You know, I'm going to sit down and watch this because I got a little action on it. That to me is the most. Because football and basketball, we already know football's entrenched with gambling. I don't know that there's more to gain there. I Yeah, I'm... I th- I have said baseball and golf, and and I said golf just oh, from the fact yes. that yes. I don't think that there is you know we talk about you know our generation and you know we we grew up through some really great golf times and and certainly kind of the rebirth of golf and everything with the with Tiger Woods and whatever and all that um, I don't think the generation below us has really had that and so I'm wondering if gambling could be. Are uh, like the Tiger Woods to us uh, for golf. I wonder if gambling could be that for a generation or two below us. I mean, maybe give them a reason to watch a little bit of a sweat. Golf is kind of built for in game as well because you know there's a long time yeah. between shots, a long time between holes and stuff. So, um, yeah, I've kind of always said baseball and golf just strictly because of the pace of everything. I mean, with with in play only going to get better, of course. I mean, technology is only going to get better. The speed of everything is only going to get better. The options are only going to get better that some of these games where there is a little bit of a slower pace it, the one benefit to the slower pace is actually the in-game play uh, i agree with that 100 percent. in fact <clears throat> it's only because of the way you asked the question that i probably didn't land on the golf what i usually say on on my show at Ethan is there is no sport more ripe for a betting revolution than golf 
I say there's no sport more ripe for an analytics revolution than NASCAR, but there's no sport more ripe for a, for a betting revolution than golf. For all the reasons you state, there, there's no other sport that has that many participants over that long of a period of time, right? I guess, uh, you know, there might be a sport, foreign sport that I'm not aware of. But for us, the thing that we are interested in in the United States, you have a big player pool, you have four days in which to play it, and there are ways to bet golf that aren't even offered right now that could explode it even more. So the fact that you could make this essentially a stock market situation, uh, World Sports Exchange used to do stuff with this in golf years ago offshore. Um, I know that's illegal, but I just wanted to point out a historical <laughs> precedent for it. But it's, it's, that's the kind of thing that would make golf ridiculously awesome betting. It would completely change how people uh, take in golf. And so, yeah, absolutely. That to me is, uh, that is the sport that I think will actually execute on it. I don't know if baseball will, because baseball is already taking measures really like, what, like who hurt, what gambler, what gambling thing hurt baseball? Like, who hurt baseball so much? They're trying to do stuff like ban spring training, betting, like having all the lineups go through them. Uh, so, the, so they really are, are getting off on the wrong foot. Only a couple more topics here I want to hit on with you. I'll let you run. But you and I did spend uh, a lot of time in New Jersey over the last year. Uh, outside of just the, the DraftKings sports betting thing, you and I spent a bunch of time over there doing some programming and things. And we were able to mess around with their products that they offer out there. And we've had this conversation offline, but certainly want to talk about it on this podcast as well. But the you know you and i love living in las vegas it's amazing i love this town there's no town where and it's almost like you can basically take everything that you can do here for granted i mean there's just you know you can go skiing if you drive 45 minutes you know north you can go to any of these five diamond shows and restaurants and stores and everything that people fly thousands of miles to come here and do and so we certainly love a lot about vegas but you know our business being in in sports gambling and sports betting there are things to be critical about when it comes to that there was never any competition for the longest time and so i think that the industry here got a little complacent and what we've seen is new jersey not only come out of the gates firing here but really really almost leaving nevada in the dust when it comes to innovation when it comes to promotions when it comes to a lot of the various things that you know we at this in in the year of our lord 2019 kind of expect through <laughs> through apps and websites and you know customer service and things like that and um you know what do you think nevada really needs to do do you think that they've had a wake-up call do you think that they even realize it no i don't think they've had a wake-up call like i really don't i don't get the impression that i get it because you're right uh, in the, the dust is the proper phrase, I think, for what New Jersey has left Nevada in. I say, you know, again, on, on a numbers game on defense, I say it all the time. I was like, wake up, Nevada, wake up. Like, you know, sort of mockingly at this point, uh, you know, sort of imagining the entire Nevada Gaming Commission listening to my show. But, like, the stuff that still goes on in Nevada, first of all, like, even a year ago, just a year ago, pre-legalization, I would ask Jimmy Vaccaro, legendary bookmaker who's now in Pennsylvania, great guy, American treasure. But I would say things to him like, Jimmy, you think we ever have a cash out option? You know, like the UK famously uh, with Leicester City when they went, uh, when they won the uh, Premier League title as just a prohibitive underdog. You know, people got to cash out on it. And that was a big story that we would, we would use to sort of launch into the topic. And he'd be like, no kid, I don't, ever see I don't really ever see it. Right? Like he just couldn't. He couldn't see what uh, you know, he couldn't even imagine it because, like you said, there was never any competition. So why would he have to think that way? Right. Um, but 
New Jersey, like the amount of things that are offered, you're right, the promotions, first of all, right? The promotions already. Uh, the fact that you can do, you can have so much free play going on before you, before you even deposit anything. <laughs> uh, Bill Krakenberger was on my show saying, yeah, I've got $3,000 of free play all over New Jersey. I haven't deposited a penny yet. Uh, but the, the offerings, what you can bet on per game, like this is what those folks who bet in illegal uh, markets, this is what those folks are used to. And New Jersey has already, in a very quick, uh, pretty adept way, gotten it launched. And everything, you know, besides the snafu that was the uh, the sports betting national championship, everything else seems to be going, by and large, pretty damn well. And here we are in Nevada. And honestly, Matt, I don't think they get it. I think they get it a little bit, but not really. I mean, here we are. Recently like, voted down. Uh, recently voted down being able to register remotely. Uh, like, I mean, it, it right. still, you still have to go do it in person at a sports book, and it's just, yeah. I mean, it just seems incredibly short sighted. Yeah. ridiculous, yeah. right? Like that's that, that is oh, that's malpractice, is what that is. Um, you know, and, and still with NFL draft, with NBA draft, like you're still having to petition. Right. You're still having to go through this process where it's like, OK, you can do it this year. Stop with this, you know, uh, this red tape thing where you have to ask permission to do stuff like those days are over or no one's going to come here to bet anymore. And Nevada and Las Vegas specifically has always justifiably had, you know, a sort of complacent viewpoint of, well, look, it's still Las Vegas. It's still a destination. People are still going to come here. Yeah, but sports betting is a pretty, even though it's not a bottom line big part, it's a big part of your marketing. There's a reason why on Vison we talk about sports betting. We have a whole network dedicated to it, and there's not a slot machine network, right? right. It's because sports betting is what people, what, it's, what's a tr- what attracts people. People like to talk about it. But if, you start, if your sports betting starts to suck compared to everywhere else, there's a whole swath of a population that's going to be like, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not going. Yeah. Am I allowed to say that on your podcast? Yeah, I'm man. Sorry. Yeah, man. <laughs> this is, we got the little E next to, yeah, we got the little E next to it and everything. We're, we're golden. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I think you're right. And it's just, as it, I would have thought by now, basically ending, ending this, I would have thought by now they would have gotten it, right? I would have thought by now they'd been like, okay, we got to really get, we got to really offer a lot more things. We got to make our app so much better. The one hidden sort of thing that is not mentioned in this conversation is that Nevada's technology is so primitive that they are, the books are almost hamstrung in trying to innovate. They're sort of stuck until they revamp entirely. Mm-hmm. And that's a big hurdle. So I will say there is that one thing, but Nevada gaming certainly not making it any easier. Of, on cor- their end. of course, there is a myriad of reasons to listen to your show every single morning. However, there is this thing that you started last year called Tankapalooza, and I would love for you to explain to our listeners what Tankapalooza is, and and this is just, again, another reason to listen to your show every morning on the Vegas Assassin Information. Thank you, sir. Uh, Tankapalooza was one of these things. So you asked, like, like, what what are some of the great fun things that you bet on? Tega Blues is one of these things where if like the serious better landed on the show and was like, what the hell is he talking about? Like, what is this nonsense? But honestly, I'm a believer in, and I know you are as well. I don't care if you call me square. If you look at my, if you look at my betting account and the money is increasing, I don't care what you call me. So Tankapalooza was this thing last year where we, you know, I'm watching a lot of basketball in the NBA in January and February. And there was a game in late February between the Mavericks and the Lakers where the Mavericks so clearly, where they were crushing the Lakers, 
They so clearly were saying to themselves, you know what? We don't want to win this game. And they put in like five D-leaguers. They took out Dirk. They took out J.J. Barea. And I call that game ground zero of Tankapalooza because what it did was sort of spark me to say, wait a minute. Um, What's going on here? And last year was the last year where 25% of the ping pong balls in the NBA draft lottery would go to the worst team uh, to get the number one pick. That's the, that was the goal. And the Phoenix Suns ended up losing their last 27 straight games last year against other non-tanking teams. Look it up to get the number one pick. So they were tank of champions. Basically what you had last year, Matt, was a scrum of teams, like seven different teams that were just losing blatantly. And when I first did this on VEASAN, Brent Musburger was like, they're not tanking, kid. I'm like, yes, they are. <laughs> it's not the players. It's not the players. Because that's what everybody thinks at first, that the players are openly doing stuff to make their team lose. No, no, the players on the court are trying as hard as possible. It's the lineup construction. The fact that Rick Carlisle would take out J.J. Beret and Dirk Nowitzki. The fact that the Phoenix Suns, Devin Booker, would have this hand injury, and he'd be like, no, I can play today. And they'd be like, no, why don't you sit down another few? Why don't you sit down another right. few games? Devin. Uh, so there was that scrum, and we just over a two month period, we basically even like laying about the money lines got so hard that we would then high that we would just parlay them then. But we were like fifty seven and two on legs, different legs, and like when we lost, I remember like being we were so flabbergasted <laughs> that we would lose a game. This year it's different though. Cutting to the chase, it's Tankapalooza two point and the NBA changed the rules. They're trying to prevent tanking. And what ends up happening is that the first three, the worst three teams, will end up with 14% of the ping pong balls. The fourth worst team gets 12.5% of them. And then everybody else will get slot five to 14. The problem this year is that the four worst teams were so bad so early that they can actually afford to win games here late, and it won't affect the amount of ping pong balls they get or the percentage of balls. So Chicago, Cleveland, York, and Phoenix. They're not tanking because they don't have to. They can win games that won't affect them when it comes to lottery time. The tank is in that 5 to 14 range. The Dallas Mavericks are the team that is absolutely tanking right now. The reason is this. When they made that trade, Luka Doncic for Trey Young in the draft last year, Dallas had a first-round draft pick in this year's draft protected, sent to Atlanta. If Dallas finishes in the bottom five, they get to keep the pick. If they finish sixth or, or uh, higher, then that pick transfers over to Atlanta. So the Mavericks are incentivized highly to get as many ping pong balls as possible and to get as close to the bottom five as they could possibly get to. So even with these players, young great players like Adler and Luka Doncic, they've traded a different kind of tank. They've traded uh, DeAndre Jordan. They've gotten rid of Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, they've gotten Porzingis, but he's not playing. They got rid of um, – Harrison Barnes, who went to Sacramento. So even last night, they're playing the, the uh, Wizards. It's nip and tuck the whole way through, and then all of a sudden, they just collapse. Watch the Mavericks. They are a fade against team the rest of the way because I think right now they're the tanky team. The other thing is watch later in the season with the Hawks because right now the Hawks, the very team that the Mavericks made the trade with, the Hawks have that pick uh, that the Mavericks are trying to get you know, into the bottom five. The Hawks are the fifth worst team right now. So it's going to be very interesting if the <laughs> Hawks jump into a late tank as well. Always great to just bet against teams that are actively not trying to win by not maximizing their lineups. He is Gil Alexander at Beating the Book on Twitter and host of a numbers game, 7 to 9 Pacific on the Vegas Stats and Information Network. VSIN on Sirius XM. Gil, we could talk another half hour for sure. I know this. I'm going to let you go, but we will definitely have you back on the podcast several times throughout the year, man. I really appreciate you carving out the time. 
Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it always, man. Thank you. Always good to talk to Gil. Very, very smart mind in the gaming space. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Beating the Book. He is putting out some really intelligent um, commentary and intelligent stuff that you can follow. I think they call it actionable items that you are able to uh, to, to put into place there on his show. And uh, one of the things I really like about Gil is he's not really super touty or anything like that. He just kind of tells you why he does the things that he does. Uh, Brett, you know, you know me. I am a big fan of NFL teasers. Gil uh-huh. is also a big fan of NFL teasers. And, you know, he gets uh, he gets gambling Twitter, kind of gets on his case every now and then saying, like, oh, well, you know, but at the end of the day, he says, you know, I mean, I, I just like to win. You know, I mean, like it's it's yeah. like I don't have an ego. I don't have this thing where, you know, I have to be contrarian or I have to follow or do this trend or do that. Or if someone says that I should be doing this or this is the way that it should go. I just like to win. And so he's like, I, I like to bet on the teams that I think are going to win. If I, and I like to bet on the, the way that I think that I can win the most often. And so, uh, you know, kind of like to see that. Cause it seems like there is probably only growing, uh, ego going on in the gambling space for sure. Oh, really? Is, is that what's happening right now? I, I had no idea. I'm just looking at uh, my, my Twitter feed every day. <laughs> no, yeah. look, results, results. If he's putting up wins, uh, consistent wins, then everybody, everybody else, you know? Yeah. I mean, like it's, I mean, you know me, like I, I'm, I'm, I don't really care. Right. Like I don't, I don't, I've been in this long enough just because I've been in some way, shape or form, the gambling industry going from poker to DFS to sports betting and still doing a little bit of content in all the spaces and everything like that. I mean, I've been called an idiot in every single way that you can be called an (laughs) idiot, like in, 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 in way worse terms than, than idiot. So uh, yeah, insert whatever in, uh, you know, insult that you want to put right there. Um, I guess I'm pretty conditioned to it, so it doesn't really matter to me anymore. And, you know, I'm not I'm not screenshot guy. I'm not. Hey, can you this guy's a total idiot guy. I just kind of like go on about my way and, you know, and, and just try and try and do what I think is is you use the information that, you know, you and I are those guys that'll put in the work and, and put in the time to kind of dig in a little bit deeper and, and find We're process what, guys, yeah. what we consider to be edges, you know, and, and, and you play those edges. It's not going to always work out, but uh, I'm certainly not a guy that's following, you know, trends and things and what, whatever. Cause I honestly, I think most of it is just, is just noise. Yeah, it is. I don't, I don't, I don't follow any of that, that junk. Uh, speaking of media, there is some news here as well. You guys have a story up on the lines.com. ESPN is going to announce, uh, announce that they are going to have a daily program on ESPN news. So that's not ESPN or ESPN two, but ESPN news. Um, it's in most cable providers. There are a couple that have dropped it, uh, over the years, but it's in a lot of different households out there. So you'll certainly, uh, you'll certainly be able to catch it, but this just seems like a growing, kind of a growing trend here, Brett, of some of these people starting to, and I say dip their toe because and the reason I say dip their toe is just because it's not on one of their two main channels in ESPN or ESPN two, but um, kind of dipping their toe into gambling content. Yeah. It's kicks off Monday at 6 PM Eastern time on ESPN news. The show uh, says it claims to educate mainstream media sports or mainstream sports fans about sports betting and provide a deeper dive of analysis for hardcore fans. It is in the hour leading up to when uh, most of the baseball, basketball, hockey games start. So uh, I think it was in the same time slot as a different show, a different gambling show. 
at the same time, I can't remember which one it was, but uh, seems like a natural fit there and uh, some 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 gambling talk leading up to the night slate of, of games. So it, may, it makes sense in that respect. Yeah, I mean, I and I know I know, uh, you know, Doug Kazarian will be, it'll be the right, host yeah, of the Kazarian. show. I know uh, I know Doug very well. Uh, former Vegas guy. Um, I actually went to Mexico with uh, went to Cabo with uh, him one time. We'll keep those stories off of the uh, <laughs> off of the podcast here. Um done a bunch of programming with Joe Fortenbaugh. Um, we had a show on Fantasy Sports Network together. We did a national radio show um, last last NFL season and things like that together. So done a bunch of work with, with him. Uh, certainly looking forward to see how they do it. One of the things I didn't necessarily love in the – in the press release was it said that, you know, the experts will be giving picks and the SPN people won't. And so I, you know, I don't know. It sounded a little touty. I hope it's not a tout yeah. show. I hope it's not, uh, go, doesn't go in that direction. I certainly, uh, with those guys being friends will not hesitate to give them my opinion. should it go that direction? Um, because listen, I don't know. I just think that that's kind of the, I just kind of think that's the lowest common denominator, like low hanging fruit, right? Like you go on there and you just, you flip a coin essentially because you're going to be right 50% of the time anyway. So you just say, this is, this one's a winner. This was not a winner. You can always just blow it off. If you happen to lose on the next show, I don't know. I, I think that there's, as we continue to expand in this space that the education of, and you, you talked about you and I being processed guys, like the, the education of the sports better, I think is actually going to be pretty monumental in the overall success of everything. And that's where I'm a little concerned because as, as we're seeing around some of these shows already, um, a lot of these offshore sites are being promoted. Uh, odds that you won't find in the U.S. possibly ever are appearing in these shows. And that kind of goes against the whole education aspect of this. If we're trying to promote sports betting as a regulated and legalized uh, thing here in the, in the States, then we need to be in, in, informing people about what this industry is actually going to be. And we'll touch on that a little bit later in a different section. But, um, yeah, it's you know, I, I think these these shows are good if they are done the right way as an educational tool. And I'm hoping that's what we get here with this new ESPN show. Uh, before we before we get completely uh, off of baseball and get into some of the other sports here, one of the other things that did uh, happen here as well, we touched on that the. Major League Baseball had sent out letters to all the regulated markets asking them to pull spring training games off of the board. We were trying to figure out how some of these states were going to react. Of course, Nevada instantly said, yeah, that's not going to happen. And then it did come through uh, just shortly uh, before we started taping this that New Jersey had also told uh, Major League Baseball to go fly a kite. Mm -hmm. I understand this. I get this. Um, Listen, it sets a bad precedent if if you start bowing down to these guys without them having any serious reason for them asking you to do the things. And that's like the main thing that I wanted these states to understand when major league baseball sent out this request was listen, if you start doing this now, where do you draw the line? Right. I mean, they're going to start, if if you do what you, if you do what they ask of you now, they're going to start asking you to do things all the time. And like, I think then it's a pretty slippery slope. And so something where there wasn't any hard evidence that it needed to be pulled off the board. I'm glad that most of these States has kind of have kind of told them to, uh, to kick rocks. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not with the whole spring training betting to begin with, but it's, it's too late in the game. Now you can't just expect these States to, to pull these things off the board when they've been going on in a legal Nevada market for 
how long. So, yeah, I, I, I'm glad New Jersey took this route as well. Yeah, it's just a it's a situation where I don't want to look up here in three months. And now Major League Baseball is saying, well, because player X, Y and Z got injured on this team right here and they're, you know, they can't field a good team. You probably should limit the number of bets placed on this team. Or what, like, I don't know. You, yeah. Where do you draw the line? Right. I mean, right. And so that's kind of my. It's kind of my thing here, so I'm I'm glad that these states are are definitely doing that. All right, so NFL Combine. We talked about how there were <laughs> the one of the topics on last week's episode was how you could bet on the NFL Combine, <laughs> and quite literally within 18 hours of us wrapping the episode and the episode getting posted, uh, we looked up Brett, and then uh, some of those bets were down. They were down. Uh, the Division of Gaming Enforcement. Uh, forced these sports books to void all bets on the NFL combine, which included some of the, some of the records that have happened in some of these drills, like the 40 yard dash, you know, whether the record would be broken, those are the kind of offer of uh, markets that were available to New Jersey betters. And they were gone, uh, right. <laughs> it seemed like right after we published, uh, the, or we posted the show, uh, last Friday. So, uh, very unfortunate. And I mean, this, this looks this looks sloppy, right? Yeah, it looks sloppy that you that you gave it the go ahead in the first place and then decided better of it. Like I understand pulling these, I understand not allowing these type of bets strictly because of it. Now, if you want to talk integrity, like we we're saying, like listen, it's just a bunch of risk if you want to bet on spring training baseball games because what these managers' intentions are and what they're looking to get out of players and the the actual objective of each team is is certainly up in the air and questionable heading into each and every day. I mean, like, they might want to get a guy just an inning of work. They might want to get another guy just a little bit of work. I mean, like, so you're basically just – you're taking that risk yourself if you want to do that, but it's not necessarily an integrity issue. But if you want to look at – if you want to make – if you want to be a devil's advocate here and you want to make an integrity argument when it comes to the combine, I can at least get behind that, right? Like, I can at least understand that from the aspect of – a guy knows how many times he can bench press 225 pounds, you know, like they have been training for the combine for months leading into the combine. So a guy knows how many times he can bench press 225 pounds. So when there's an over under on how many times a guy can bench press 225 pounds or, you know, this, that, and the other, or uh, an over under on a 40 time or whatever it might be, things like that. I mean, these are things where I think you're just kind of leaving the door open for shenanigans and it's just unnecessary right because it's kind of the thing we've talked about before with the spring training deal where we were saying like is the ju is the juice even worth the squeeze for the these sports books to to battle with it, with major league baseball and i think they took the right road right road as we mentioned just because you don't want to become beholden to what they say but uh, you know, is the handle really worth what you're going to get on the combine here to deal with any sort of issues here i, I mean my guess is no but uh, you know i i can't say for certain yeah, I mean, look, this is the first run at a lot of these niche markets in New Jersey. There were similar issues with the Oscars betting last month where there, you know, it was approved and then the books were forced to pull lines and then they were back up. As a consumer, though, I might be looking at this like regulators don't know what they're doing. Like this, yes, this is a uh, trial and error uh, working with the various leagues and organizations and this is unfamiliar territory, but so early in the game here, we are trying to scoop market share away from the offshore books and the local books that aren't having these problems, the optics look bad. It's just bad business. And if I had money down on the NFL combine and my bet at a points bet or a bet stars was voided, 
I might take my money to an offshore site just out of frustration and put my money on the NFL combine markets there and maybe leave my money there. You know, it's unfortunate. And even though this won't create a lot of waves because it's, just, it's such a small thing, uh, these, these things do add up and uh, consumers won't forget. I think one of the things we should point out in this is this is actually not the sports book's fault, right? I right, mean, no, this is not. this is something where they went and were 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 given the thumbs up, and then somewhere along the way, someone in New Jersey decided that that was not how they wanted to go about it, and so you know that is unfortunate for these sports books, like you just mentioned, because yeah. they think they're doing something that has been okayed already. And then now they're the ones who have to come with the email saying like, hey, due to unforeseen circumstances, yada, yada, yada. And then here's your money back. And I can't really, you know, we can't really tell you why it got canceled, because all I can tell you is they, they told us we had to re- refund the, the money here. So it's a it, it is a very unfortunate circumstance just for the for the sports books over there, because they're the ones that left holding the bag. They're the ones that look bad when it's not their decision to not take the bets anymore. And really, from an integrity standpoint, I would. I would feel more comfortable having a market on this than like spring training betting. These guys are playing for their lives, right? Like yeah. their their performance is going to affect where they're drafted. I mean, this is this is a big deal. So I really, I mean, given the the small limits on this, I wouldn't be worried about integrity at all. So I'm not really sure why uh, this was pulled, but it's it is unfortunate. We shall, and, and you know, unfortunately, this is probably just. This is probably just the beginning, right? Because as long as the boundaries keep getting pushed, so as long as these exotic markets, and especially these exotic markets where there's just kind of weird things around the way the betting can go. Because like I said, I I threw out a hypothetical where, in theory, a guy, you know, if if an over-under was set on, you know, his his uh his his vertical jump or his you know or or his bench press reps or whatever it might be a lot of these guys are pretty honed in and have a pretty decent idea of where they stand heading into the combine and so they could if if again in theory hypothetically could pass along that information to you know other people in you know in the betting circles and whatnot and that's true you know, and then you kind of and then, you know, stuff just happens. Right. So I don't know. I just don't to me. I just don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze. But I think we're probably going to see these books offer anything they're allowed to offer, because, as you mentioned, their biggest competition is offshore. And until yeah. and until the offshore books are, you know, kind of thwarted here in the United States, then, you know, they've got to offer these things or the business goes elsewhere. Yeah, that is a good point about the the inside information. I just think the limits are so small, I really wouldn't make much of a difference. I mean, I, I think the one a good example is the DK Metcalf uh, under. Uh, this is probably an offshore line, but uh, just the under on his forty yard dash, I think it was like four five or something, and the guy ran a four three three. Just that kind of stuff. You're right. Could uh you know could get out there. Definitely. Um. So again, we talk about some of the some of the big bets that we hear about, and certainly some of the things that uh, come across our plate here. A guy hit, uh, this was over, this was actually at FanDuel as well. The Honda Classic, if you guys were watching the Honda Classic, it was, it came down to the very last putt, which was pretty awesome. Yeah. And, um, you know, were you watching? I didn't know if you were going to be able to when you were uh, when you were traveling or not. No, I watched the highlights, but I was really happy yeah. for him. That was uh, to beat two, uh, two of the top players was, uh, was really cool. Yeah, so Keith Mitchell uh, went on to win the Honda Classic here. He was at one point 100, well, at one point he was 250 to 1, but... This lucky better got him at 190 to 1 for a 30 
dollar bet on uh, Keith Mitchell to win the Honda Classic. I mean, on Sunday's final round, he was as low as seven to one. That's where he was sitting to actually win the thing. So this person threw in a $30 bet at 190 to one and nailed it. These are the kind of things we like to hear about Brett because we like to hear about betters beating the books. We do. And honestly, I I wasn't that surprised about this. I was actually kind of surprised that Mitchell's odds were that low because he's one of those guys who pops in a lot of betting and in fantasy golf models. Like this guy's a bomber who can score on par fives. So, I mean, those are the kinds of golfers who get hot with the the irons and the putter and just win these events as long shots. We see it happen every year. So, uh, yeah, no, it's it's great to see long shots win. And I think, you know, the fact that he beat uh, he beat out. I think it was Brooks and Ricky there at the end uh, was was even cooler because, I mean, those guys, I, I, I would have liked to see the the live in play before Mitchell took that final putt to win it. Right. I, I would like I would like to see that. But, um, yeah, that was that was that was really cool to see. Yeah. The, the make percentage on the putt was only like 21 percent or something like that. So, I mean, it was yeah. he, he drained a bomb, you know, to to win that thing, which is pretty great. And yeah, it was. It was Brooks and and, and uh, Ricky that were sitting there just waiting for that. They they were I would guarantee you if you asked them honestly, they were like, we're definitely going to a three way playoff. Like, I mean, they, oh, yeah. they they were they were banking on him not making that putt. Oh, this sure. is a guy who's not known for his putting. Yeah. <laughs> that is for sure. So, yeah, I, I would imagine that was the case. So uh, if you're looking for other things to bet on, of course, we are in the middle of NHL and NBA season. But of course, we have March Madness coming up. There'll be tons and tons of bets to make college basketball. But we got golf tournaments that are cranking up. We have uh, the Indian Wells Tennis Tournament that is basically kind of dubbed the fifth major tennis tournament. All of the big names play down there in California, just right outside of Palm Springs, about an hour down the road from Palm Springs there in Indian Wells. I've gone to that tournament several times because of what it draws. I mean, really and truly, all the big names play that tournament down there. It is a big prize pool as well, million dollars to first place. And he pays a real big, hefty uh, win for uh, doubles as well. He pays five hundred grand a person, which is why you see some of the big names actually play doubles down there in at Indian Wells as well. Mm-hmm. So you can bet on that over at DraftKings Sportsbook. They've got the odds up for that too but of course the big thing after march madness and we'll talk a bunch of march madness next week on here brett but the big thing after that is the masters but we are not having to wait on that the masters odds are already starting to trickle out here and as you would expect the money is coming in starting to come in on tiger woods they already mentioned that there was a ten thousand dollar bet placed on him at the westgate here in las vegas i mean dude what is this with people's love affair with betting on tiger woods i mean i i listen i understand that he's been playing much better and all that but like good lord they just love they cannot help but put their money on tiger woods yeah, I don't get it. I, I just, I mean, this guy is how many years past his prime? He, he just, <laughs> he, this is not the same Tiger Woods. You know, he's one of the favorites to win the Masters. Yeah. I mean, if we're looking at DraftKings right now, Dustin Johnson plus 1,000, Rory plus 1,000. Then we have Justin Rose and Tiger Woods at plus 1,200. I mean, we're talking about Tiger Woods ahead of Kepka, Justin Thomas, uh, Jordan, wow. Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler, you know, all of these guys, he is ahead of all of those dudes. And I mean, like, you know, look, more power to you. If, if you can draw money on Tiger 
at plus 1200, then <laughs> you should be. Yeah. I mean, good on you sports books. Yeah. I mean, like that is awesome. If you're, if you, if you can keep him at plus 1200 and you're still getting enough money where you feel comfortable leaving it plus 1200, then man, we should have we should have opened a sports book back in the day, Brett. That's for I sure. I know, right? You're I just mean, just booking tiger bets. I mean, yes, we just opened just a Tiger Woods <laughs> sports book, and that's how we make our money is just taking people's money on betting on Tiger Woods. But uh, yeah, going down the list here: Dustin Johnson, Roy McIlroy, Justin Rose, Tiger Woods, as we just mentioned, Kepka's fourteen hundred, Rom's fourteen hundred, Justin Thomas fourteen hundred, Bryson DeChambeau sixteen hundred, along with Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler at eighteen hundred. Jason Day, who actually had to just pull out of the tournament this week, um, plus 2,200 there. Tony Finau, mm. plus 2,800. Mickelson, 2,800. Uh, a couple of other big names that you guys might have known, uh, that you might know of. Phil Mickelson, uh, yeah, Adam Scott, 3,300. Bubba Watson, 3,300. Patrick Reed, 4,000. Sergio Garcia, 5,000. So um, pretty interesting. Do you bet... Do you bet futures on golf very often or are you more of kind of like a groupings guy or a head to head guy or how do you how do you kind of go about golf betting? I never really had the opportunity to bet Masters futures. I'm never never in a place where I can actually get bets down on that. If I could, I absolutely would. So, yeah, uh, come on, New York. Let's let's get it together. If um, if you when you have been out here in Vegas or whenever you've been down in New Jersey or something like that, is it typically just kind of like picking a guy that you think has a because I think one of the fun things about betting golf is, is taking a guy at, you know, 40 to one, and, oh, yeah. but, but a guy that you feel, you know, fairly confident, like Paul Casey is 40 to one, right? Like, like, like Paul Casey's 40 to one right now. And it's not out of the realm of possibility for, for, for Paul Casey to win the masters. I mean, like this is a guy that's played incredibly solid over the last five years on tour. And for, to think that he could have, you know, a three day heater, after kind of like sitting middle of the pack on day one or something, and then just going a three day heater it's like not out of the, the realm of possibility. And you got a guy at like 40 to one. Those are the kind of sweats I like when I bet golf anyway. Oh yeah, me too. No, I love taking the long shots uh, and you know, golf, especially there's, there's so many different players, so many players in the field uh, to choose from. And you know, a guy can get hot with the putter and, and just win it. it it's a lot more difficult, obviously the masters because of the degree of difficulty there. And uh, course history is, is big there as well. So, I mean, maybe a guy who's, who's in bad form um, and just shows up to this, to the masters at an event he's played for, I don't know, 10, 15 years. Why not? You know, if, if I can get him at longer odds than he would normally would be, then, yeah, I'll take a shot on him. If you want to take a shot on someone, um, you can get Mike Weir at plus 200,000. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that, that guy. Oh, wow. Mike Weir at plus 200,000. So, uh, yeah. That's that's what you can get him at at uh, on, on DraftKings Sportsbook. So uh, that would be th- that is a long shot bet I would not make. Him I, making the cut is a long shot there. I, that, I would, it's almost plus two hundred thousand for him just to make the cut. <laughs> like uh, it, it really is. It's almost plus two hundred thousand for him to make the cut. Uh, we mentioned Jason Day having to pull out of the Armour Palmer Invitational, but we have you know one of the things that we've talked about. Uh, Several times on this podcast, some of these gimmicky things that are going on here and FanDuel went ahead with a gimmicky thing with Jason Day. Yeah, they uh, refunded uh, any futures bets on Jason Day. He pulled out after six holes. He was plus two and complained of a back injury. So he was out. But the thing is, like, this is the, this is kind of the risk you take with a Jason Day. 
who has a long history of, of injury and illness. Like he's this is not the first time this has happened. And if you put your money on a player, you should know that this is possible. Like it should be baked into his odds. So I, I don't I don't like these refunds. I mean, I get it. It's great marketing right now for these New Jersey books to offer them because it's it's good press and excellent strategy for customer retention. And it's not really costing them much because there isn't a lot of volume on these bets. But no, that's what I'm saying. I bet you the handle on the Jason Day futures was like sub 5K. And yeah. so it's like they're just going to they look at it as like, OK, it's going to cost us five thousand, but we're going to get fifty thousand dollars worth of advertising out of this. And so that's why we're going to do it. I can guarantee you this. If the Masters rolls around and Tiger Woods plays six holes and pull out pulls out, you ain't getting a refund on Tiger Woods. I can promise you that they're they, they keeping that money. I can promise you. Well, it's like where do you draw the line? So, for example, like Matt Every shot an 83 in the first round on Thursday in this tournament that, that they pulled out of. Like, what if he's hurt and just playing through the injury? Like, where's my refund on Matt Every? <laughs> like, I deserve a refund more than the guy who bet on Jason Day who just quit. <laughs> like, and, and like, what if you pay out the day uh, refunds and then Rory and Mickelson withdraw later in the day? You have to ref- we have to refund those too, right? Like, it's just a, a bit of a dangerous slope when you're just kind of picking and choosing events to refund these bets on. Uh, I don't love the precedent it sets. But again, I understand why they're doing it at this point in time. As long as people understand that this is not the norm and refunds like this, I don't think will exist uh, as, as sports betting increases across the country. And another early payout points bet over there in New Jersey paid out all James Harden MVP futures already. Of course, we are several months away from the MVP actually being announced. James Harden could get hurt tomorrow and he would certainly not win the MVP. But uh, points bet, we've seen them do this on several, several occasions now. It does get them a little bit of buzz. It does get them some PR. And so, again, I, I understand why they're doing it. And again, I imagine that the liability on that one, he was short odds anyway. How much money people were actually betting on James Harden at points bet, probably negligible. So, you know, again, probably one of those deals where they they just do the math and figure they're going to get, you know, 10x PR out of it as opposed to what they actually have to pay out. And uh, and it just becomes a, a, a thing that they should do, I suppose. I guess. I mean, it's kind of the same thing as, as the Jason Day thing. Like, why why are you paying out hard and not not Giannis? It's just it's just odd to me. I don't know. It, it generates buzz. And I, I give them kudos for trying out new things. But this this is just a weird one to me. <laughs> and finally, <laughs> before we get out of here today, uh, another some some more points bet news. So. There was a conference and uh, Seth Young, a guy used to work at Foxwoods, been around the gaming industry for a long time, uh, ran a DFS site as well. Uh, he is now at points bet and he is he talked about their new thing that they're going to have for baseball season called batter's box. It is going to be a major league baseball product that will allow fans to bet on the outcome of every single at bat. There is an average of 76 plate appearances per per big league game. And users can wager on one of three results. You can either you can either think that the batter's going to get a hit, that he's going to get out or walk hit by pitch. And you can do this for the next two or three batters, uh, not just the guy that's actually standing in the batter's box at the time here. So we talk about innovation, Brad, and I am OK with everyone, you know, continuing to innovate in the space. Now, this right here. Is there any skill involved? Like we like to think that there's skill involved in DFS. We like to think there's skill involved in sports betting. Is there skill involved in, you know, picking one of three outcomes for what a guy's going to do? 
meh, you know, I mean, ish, <laughs> I guess, you know, I guess a little bit. I mean, maybe you could think, you know, if a, if a uh, terrible relief pitcher comes in, maybe you're a little bit more confident that a good hitter is going to get a hit as opposed to, you know, get out or something. Or if a wild pitcher comes in, maybe you're a little more prone to think that a, a guy might walk or something. But this uh, definitely is towing the line of just kind of like flipping a coin here. <laughs> Wait, you're telling me the batter versus pitcher isn't a thing? What if what if it's uh, Goldschmidt against what was it? Lincecum was the guy he just owned every <laughs> bat. I mean, no, I I agree. There's not a whole lot of of skill involved in this, but I like it. I mean, it's you know, in play betting already accounts for a huge percentage of handle in New Jersey, so it's it's only going to continue to grow. And when you can keep betters engaged all game long on the app betting every at bat. As long as there are limits in place and, and people don't go crazy with it, I, I don't see a whole lot of downside here. I think it's great for everybody. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to downplay it as far as that. I mean, anything that just adds a little skin in the game is for fun. And I mean, I think yeah. that I think if you look, I think there are bets you can make where you expect to have a positive ROI, and I think that there's bets that you can make where kind of like you and I were just talking about, like on golf, I enjoy getting the four day sweat. And having a guy and, and like there's nothing like having a guy at 40 to one who's in contention on Sunday and like it just makes that just, you know, incredible. But it's not necessarily a bet I'm making whenever I make it thinking I'm going to get a positive, you know, return on investment here. It's more of just a sweat equity type bet or something like that. You know, I mean, yeah, like when like, I'm placing it's like betting a parlay. Yeah. Like when I'm placing an NFL bet, like, you know, I'm I'm expecting that I'm putting my money in good, you know, like I like to, I, I'm trying, I have an expected ROI on betting uh, stuff like that. And so something like this, yeah, it's just like, hell, if you're sitting there watching a game anyway, and you want to flip $2, you know, like every, every at bat or something and, and see if you could like go on a, go on a streak or something like that. I mean, you know, hell I, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with it. Just, I do like just the, the fact that these injure these uh, New Jersey books, are continuing to try and innovate and bring new things to the market because it's something that is severely lacked for so, so long. And even if it is something that's a little bit gimmicky like this, I'm still 100% behind it. Oh, yeah, I love it. Yeah, it is. It's going to be fun. And again, points bet, uh, another one of our partners. So you can head to the lines.com, playpicks.com, and you can take a look at our sign up offers over there at points bet as well. Guys, thanks for being here. Episode number 44. Thanks to Gil Alexander for joining us as well, giving us some insight into the media side of things that he does each and every morning over there on VSIN. Of course, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And you can follow the lines on the Twitter machine at The Lines US. You can follow Brett Colson at Brett Colson. You can follow me at Matt Brown M2. For Brett, I'm Matt. See you guys next week.